I know that I told you guys that I thought that we would finish up First um, Corinthians and begin Second Corinthians by the first Sunday in uh, August, uh, because that would be the conclusion of eight years of study in the uh, First Corinthians. Um, then I kind of came into this text, and if you look in the back of your bulletins, you'll see the outline is eight points, and so far we've gotten one. And I thought, well, it shouldn't be too difficult. I should be able to combine a couple of these together. And I beg your forgiveness. I am having no luck at that whatsoever. Uh, Perhaps in the weeks to come, I will be able to combine some of these. Uh, But if I was you, I would not hold my breath. Um, So with that, uh, we will have a word of prayer. uh, And um, we will pick up. Uh, in the second half of verse 15 of this text. Father, as we just sang, I pray that you will open our eyes that we will see Jesus. That, Father, we will open our ears and listen to him. Father, as we look at this text, and Father, the, the amazement that you have shown me, I pray, Father, that these precious souls will be amazed at your words penned by our dear brother through the power of your spirit to strengthen us even this day. Help us, Lord. Help us to bow before your book, to be overwhelmed with it, to rejoice in it, to hunger and thirst for it. And Father, may the love that you have poured in our hearts be poured forth as we look at this text, in Christ's name, amen. The context is 15 through 24. I'm just going to read verse 15 because we're dealing with this family, household. Now, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus and that they were the first fruits of Achaia and that they have devoted themselves for ministry to the saints. Stop right there. Okay, this text is one of those that you and I just kind of cruise over. We're done reading a book. We're cooling through. It's got a bunch of personal stuff to it, and we'll catch you later. But if you're truly honest with yourself with the book, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians will deal with your personal holiness. Okay, and that's what it's for. Why? Because 2 Corinthians deals with ministry. And let me tell you something. If you ain't got the first part right, stay out of the second part. All right, and it concludes with the single greatest thing that I believe that was afflicting this church in Corinth. What happened to the church in Corinth is that it was in an awful society, very much similar to what you're in today. And what had happened is they were reaching out in love, but what was coming on is that these people were coming into the church and becoming involved in the church and becoming, and so in some cases, saved. But what happens is you bring your worldly mentality and perspectives in. And sometimes instead of just canning it and throwing it away, you hang on to it and you try to blend it with the things of God and hope that the two shall get along. But what you will always find is that when it comes to that scenario, if it comes to moving away from the things of God or the things of men, which is the easiest? You look at the church today, 
And the church today, does it look like the holiness of Jesus Christ? Or does it look like the fallenness of the human society in which we exist? But you know what? I was warned that it'd be that way. It looks like man. I mean, when I hear people telling me, well, we need to do a demographic study. A what? A demographic study. What, what is the society like? They're lost. That's what the society is like. You know, some of them are older, some of them are younger, but they're just lost. All right? The, the demographics are irrelevant. I have preached in Russia. Our, my society and their society are not the same. All right? And you know what? My message has never changed. My style has never changed. Now, there's things that I don't do. They don't like to see the bottom of your foot. I know. When do you do that when you're preaching? But if you're sitting down, and they do that common cup thing. That just freaks me out. Okay. And they use wine. But as the guest preacher, I get to go first. <laughs> well, I'm just nothing personal. <laughs> I don't know. All right. But, but see, there's things like that. But when it comes to the message, the message is the same. I don't care whether you're in Russia, whether I have preached uh, right outside of Peter's house at the synagogue that Jesus preached in in Capernaum. I preached on the south step of the Temple Mound. All right. My message has never changed. It's, it's never changed. We did a Bible study overlooking the hill where um, David fought Goliath. But you can't guess which text we looked at. But anyway. <laughs> All right. But it's stuff like that that you've got to pay attention to. Why? You give them the book. All right. I am not here to build a church. I am here to proclaim Christ and him crucified. And that should be your number one priority. And what happens is in that motive, you will love. This text is bracketed by love. Let all that you do be done in love. My love be with you in Christ Jesus. Amen. So what he's basically saying to the Corinthian church, he brackets here and says, this is what the love of the fellowship looks like. Okay, because I, you can take Christians today, and if you ask 50 Christians what love of the, in the fellowship looked like, you'll get 50 different answers. And you know what? I, tragically, most of them ain't gonna be right. Alright, if, if you wanna see love, I can give you one verse, summarizes it completely. Comes out of this letter, the 13th chapter, verse 5, consider others more important than yourself. That's love. And if you look at this text, this is what's going on. Last week we looked at this. And we see here, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, the first fruits of Achaia. All right? When you look at first fruits, we have, a lot of people want to think that's, it's not prototokos. Prototokos is preeminent one. Okay? Jesus Christ was the first fruits. He was the prototokos. He was the most important one. After that, first fruits, when you look at it in the Old Testament, those was what was given to God because that was God's proof that you were going to have a great harvest. If you look at it, there was two areas that Paul preached in Achaia. It's the southern part of the peninsula of Greece. Okay, Achaia had two major cities, Athens and Corinth. Okay, in Athens, he was pretty much rejected. A few people came to believe in Jesus Christ, but it was basically rejected. 
And he was kind of, and he left, you know, kind of discouraged and over to Corinth. There, there was a great work going on. He was there for two years and the word was going out and a lot of people were added to it. And the household of Stephanus was proof that there was going to be a harvest because here's the thing. It was the household of Stephanus. All right. That means all of his employees, whether you know, we call, I call them employees, it'd be his slaves, his kids, his wife, and those that were in, in, in his sphere of influence were all saved. They were all saved. So when you have true love in the fellowship, you have evangelism. Because true love says, I see the desperate need of the people around me. You know, I, I get into trouble <laughs> um, in, in this community. I've been, maybe I've been here too long. But if a person tells me that they're saved, I can usually figure it out within about 10 minutes. And if I don't think you're saved, I have this character flaw of telling you I don't think you're saved. Why? Do you really want to stand in front of Jesus and say, well, I thought I was saved. Now, what's more loving for me to say, you don't look saved to me? Well, you're judging. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, here's what the Bible says. This is what you're doing. And the two shall not come together. All right. And so I guess in a a way that's evangelism. It doesn't seem real productive for me, but, but but. But I haven't gotten away from it. All right. Listen, if you would have known the Apostle Paul before he went to Damascus and then run into him after Damascus, would you have seen a difference? He was a religious man on his way out, right? But all of a sudden on his way back, there's a difference. And you know what's amazing? You don't see Paul backsliding. He just stayed. The course. Why? That was a drastic conversion, wasn't it? But let me tell you something. If you're saved, you had a drastic conversion. You had better had a drastic conversion. I don't even care if you were a good person. You come out of the darkness into the light. That should be drastic. There should be things in your life that you all of a sudden realize were a sin against the God who sent his son to die for you. That's evangelism. That's evangelism. You can't hide that. You don't go to school for it. Listen, if you have to go learn how to evangelize, my counsel to you this day and as much love as I can give you is get saved. Because you will evangelize. You will be different than the world. And in that difference, you will have people who will hate you and despise you. Paul told Timothy, if you walk in Christ's righteousness, you will be persecuted. I don't have to go look for a fight. Okay? I don't. I don't. You will be persecuted. All right? That's evangelism. So, this love in the fellowship begins with evangelism. The the household of Stephanus. All right? The household of Stephanus was the first fruits of what was guaranteed as a harvest. All right. Paul says it is the love of Christ that compels me to preach. 
And that should be on all of us. The love of Christ, the love that He's given us, we should be wanting to share that with everybody. Second thing, when there is love in the fellowship, there is service to the saints. I'm going to get in trouble. Okay? It's a result. Look what it says there at the end of verse. The first fruits, this household, devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That ain't hard to see. That ain't hard to see. Listen, I just have, I have a question to ask you. What are you devoted to? That's why I tell people that I can usually tell within 15 minutes whether a person is saved or not, because usually within 15 minutes, if you're getting to know somebody, you will find out what they're devoted to. What's important to you? The Rockies? I like the Rockies. I grew up with baseball. I like baseball. Okay? But if you spend any time with me very long, you will figure out what I'm devoted to. Right? And you'll find out it ain't baseball. And it ain't football. I like baseball and football. I like basketball and hockey. What can I say? I like hunting and fishing. Sorry. It's no problem. But you spend any time with me, you're going to find out what I'm devoted to. Okay? Now, I want to show you something here. And you'll just be so thrilled with this. If you look right in the middle of your verse, you see the word themselves. Okay? What's amazing is, in the original language, the Greek, that word is there. Everybody goes, what? All right, it's there. Normally, in the Greek text, often I should say, um, themselves is just implied because of the form of the verb. And everybody's like, well, I'm glad I know that. All right, but, it, but because of the form of the verb, themselves is the implication. In this text, themselves is there. Okay, if it's there, it makes it intensive. All right, they themselves devoted themselves to the ministry to the saints. All right, now I'm going to show you how this is intensified here. All right. Here is a household, the household of Stephanus, who had no official appointment, who were not assigned by anybody, who were not commissioned by anybody, who were not called by anybody, were not asked by anybody, who were not entitled by anybody. That's what it means. They just did it, the whole household. They themselves devoted themselves to the serving of the saints. It wasn't because I am now a deacon or I am now a whatever. It wasn't because the pastor says, could you help me out with... It wasn't because of that. They said, I'm in the body of Christ and this whole household set themselves. It was spontaneous, a freedom on their own part to do it. So you see why themselves is different than the implication of themselves? They were self-motivated. They were self-appointed. They just looked at it and said, you know what? I am a saint of God. Therefore, I am a minister. The work of the ministry belongs to everybody. If you're saved, you're in the ministry. You don't go hire ministers. 
You're saved. You're a minister. Okay? We are called to devote ourselves to that. Everybody's thrilled, I can tell. Listen, we don't need to sit around waiting for someone to appoint us. You know, people say, well, Terry, how did you know you were called to preach? (laughs) I'm still trying to figure that one out. (laughs) I think I got the wrong number. Um, You know, I was the last one here. I mean, I don't have any other way to say it. I had already devoted myself to serving in the body of Christ. And I had, I started out, you know what I did in this church? I was the grounds guy. I cut the grass and painted the building. That's what I did. I was in construction and that's what I was into. Then I graduated, man. I moved up to the soundboard. Now, this is the old soundboard because you can't mess them up. Turn them on, turn the tape, and there you go. All right. And, you know, that was it. Then they moved me. We want you to work with the youth. And then I think that's a digress. (laughs) You're not doing sound right. Go to youth. (laughs) Okay. And the... The, that's where I ended up. Then all of a sudden they said, you know what, you did that. The youth hate you. Go to the adult Sunday school class. It's a spiritual thing. Um, then I moved to an adult Sunday school class. And then I remember our pastor was took a church down in Arizona. They said, what are you studying? I said, First Peter. They said, will you teach us that until we find a pastor? That's been 16 years now. You guys are really slow finding a pastor. I just don't understand that at all. Okay. Why? Because I'd already given myself to the body of Christ. I was already there serving. Okay? We don't have to sit around and wait for somebody to appoint us. You know, I, 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 I see people and they look around the church and say, oh, well, it's all being taken care of. You know what? Then why are you here? You can't be saved and not be in the ministry. It's impossible. The point is all the saints do the ministry wherever they happen to gather. You guys right now happen to gather here. See, I see the body of Christ. I see those who are laboring and those who are watching those labor. This isn't a government job here, people. We all labor. Every one of us, we, what was it, Linsky said, we don't have sanctified spectators. Okay? Church is not a spectator sport. You know, well, you know, I just come and, 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 and watch you guys do it. We'll watch. We'll tell you when you do something wrong, all right? How's that? We're all in the ministry, brothers and sisters. We just happen to assemble in this place on the Lord's Day. But we're all in the ministry. When we leave here, we should go out and we should be at ministering. Part of that would be evangelism. Part of that would be strengthening the saints. Part of that would be encouraging the saints. Part of that would be studying the Word to show yourself approved, rightly dividing truth. That's you. It isn't me. It is your responsibility to make disciples as you're going. I like that idea. See, if there's love in the fellowship, we don't wait around to be appointed. We are just doing. 
it's, it's just not enough to, to do the ministry in church. You know, I'm here today. I'll write you a check. Shut up. Leave me alone. Okay. You know what? Um, whoever comes here is in some kind of ministry. I don't care what it is. It may be that you lift us up in prayer. But it would be really nice if you would tell us that you're lifting us up in prayer so that when that prayer is answered, we can tell you. See, prayer, God likes to show you what He does. But if you sit there and go, I'm going to go over here and pray, and nobody's going to know what I'm going to say, then how do you know I got answered? How do you give Him glory? We are all in this thing, and this household of Stephanus devoted themselves to what they knew they needed to do. They just looked at it and said, I need to do this. You know, somebody preached a message a few weeks ago, the Lord's work, the Lord's way. That would be everybody's responsibility. Okay, the verb here that you see, devoted themselves, is tasso. This is a fascinating word. It's it's truly a fascinating word. It, It... has in mind of putting yourself in line. Okay, uh, it is used in military uh, text uh, of the Greek language uh, that you got yourself in order, whether it be a marching orders or you were preparing for battle. You knew what your position was supposed to be in, whether you were on horseback or you were infantry, whether you were a spear or bowman, and all the rest of it. And they got in line. Okay, but in the military term, it literally means that. Your commanding officer put you in the place that he had assigned it to. The thing about this text is themselves adds the emphasis to it, which means that they got in line and nobody had to call them to get in line. They were just there and they knew what it needed to be done. They looked. Okay. This should remind us that the ministry belongs to everybody. You know what? We've had tremendous success in the lands of Russia and Belarus. All right. And and I've been over there numerous times. I I don't even remember how many times now. But you know what? When I go over there, that is not my ministry. That is our ministry. Do you understand that? Too many today says, well, I'm going into the mission field. Well, who's sending you? Well, I'm just, no. It is us that is there. We, 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 I believe we have missed that. We believe that we send, you know, I'm paying this guy. He needs to go do this. No, 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 no. That's not the way this thing works. It is the body of Christ. I'm going to send the arm to ministry. The rest of us is staying here. That ain't the way it works. That ain't the way it works. Listen. <clears throat> the chances that you're ever going to get appointed in ministry are very slim until you have proven yourself faithful on your own. Do you understand that? William Barclay kind of states it this way. I quote, In the early church, willing and spontaneous service was the beginning of an official office. A man became a leader of the church not so much by any man-made appointment as because of his life and work marked him out as one whom all men must respect. All those who share the work and the toil of the gospel 
command respect, not because they have been appointed by a man to an office, but because they are doing the work of Christ, unquote. I see people who say, oh, I, I need to be in leadership. Uh, I just had a discussion with a person who said, you know, I've been in this church for X number of years, and, and not this church, but they were in another church, and, and, and they, they've never asked me to teach. Well, do something. If you're sitting around waiting on somebody to get you to do something, it ain't going to happen. Be faithful to what God's given you, the doors and the envelopes, the openings that you've got. Take them. Do it. Just do it. And, and I get people say, well, what do you think I should do? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> that sounds awful, doesn't it? All right. But, but look, if you see a need, do it. You don't have to go at, you know, I see a need over here. What do you think I ought to do? I don't know. Pray about it. What? You know, I have a heart to pray. Go, man. <laughs> Get her done. I, that's the kind of stuff that I, I, I don't understand. Um, but the household of Stephanus was at this. Okay. Now, I want to tell you something. What the root of this word is, tasso. Now, I'm going to come back to you, but I'm going to tell you what the root meaning of the word is. Okay, it is a true translation. If you got King James, that's a true translation because it takes the very root of that word. You know what the root of the word is? Addicted. Addicted. I'm going to come back to that because I, I have people. What does it mean? The service of the saints. What does it mean? Ministering to the saints. Okay, now think about it for a second. Devoted, addicted. In service to the saints. The word there, ministering to the saints that you see. Okay? Diakone. Alright? It's a, uh, a form of the word that we get deacon from. Deacon was a, diakonos was originally a table waiter. Alright? It grew to be anybody who served somebody else in the church out of love. Okay? Any loving service is diakone, all right? The New Testament describes it in a, all kinds of ways. You and I remember it not so long ago in chapter 12 of this text, speaking of spiritual gifts, verse 5. And it literally says that there are many services, there are many diakones of the spiritual gifts, all right? And it describes gifts. So spiritual gifts is one kind of Ministry, ministering to the saints, one kind of diakone. So if we are addicted to serving the saints, then that means we are addicted to using our spiritual gifts. Please, spiritual gifts are not talents. Okay, spiritual gifts is a divine enabling at something that you have no ability of doing. All right. So, spiritual gifts is diakone. Another text that you see comes out of Acts chapter 11, verse 29, or 2 Corinthians 8, 4. You guys should write these down, and you should take these two texts home and memorize them. Okay? 11, 29 of Acts. <laughs> you guys are going to 
Kill me here in a minute. 2 Corinthians 8, 4, because it describes the service, the diakone of giving. So when we give our money, that is to the serving of the saints. I wonder how many people are addicted to that. There he goes. Preachers talking about giving again. You know, that's all they ever do is talk about getting money. No, I'm talking about addictions. <laughs> Missed that one, didn't you? <laughs> so being addicted to serving the saints means that we serve the saints through our spiritual gifts, our supernatural enabling, and we serve the saints through giving. Also, Acts chapter 6, verse 4 is another diakone. We must give ourselves to the ministry, the diakone of the word. Serving the saints can be through the word. Teaching of the Bible, both through action and proclamation. All right? If you look at 2 Timothy, you will see another diakone. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, you will see the diakone to encourage. Encouragement. To counsel somebody. To build them up. To help that weak person stand. To help the feeble, the faint heart, to see the faithfulness of God. That is diakone, that is serving the saints. Another diakone, John chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus speaks of this, the diakone of giving food to those who are hungry. Okay, so you can see that diakone serving the saints literally has a physical need to it. There's a physical implication to it. So you can give through your spiritual gifts. You give through your giving, your monies. You give through the word. You can give physically even to the point of food. All right, that's, I mean, that's basically the sum of diakone. What is it? This diakone, I am ministering to the saints. The saints have need of these things. The saints have need of other saints exercising their gifts. I am desperate for your gifts to strengthen me. I am desperate for encouragement. You are desperate for encouragement. You are desperate for the word. I am desperate for the word. We should be giving ourselves to this and to one another in these ways. We may even do it through giving of monies. We may give it through giving of sustenance. Spiritual gifts, money, food, encouragement, teaching the word. All of this is diakone, the serving of the saints, the ministering of the saints. Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, we are all called to serve. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Now I want to get back to this addiction thing. What can I say? It's what it says right there. Devoted. Okay? The military term here has to do with getting in line. Alright? The root of this word literally is addicted. Okay? <clears throat> Listen, it is very easy when you really fall in love with Jesus Christ, you really desire to fulfill your life to His glory. It's really easy. You 
get addicted to Christian service. Well, that sounds legalistic. Really? The serving of Christ. Legalistic. Tell him that when you see him, would you? I didn't want to be a legalist. He'll look at you saying, you weren't addicted. (laughs) Sorry. You know, when I think about addiction... I, 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 and I'm, this is the way my poor feeble brain works. The question that comes to my mind when I think about this term addiction is the sense of withdrawal if I have no work in the ministry. Have you ever seen an addict? What happens if they are removed from the substance that they are addicted to? They go into withdrawal. Do you want me to ask that question or just to go on by it? Have you ever gone into withdrawal when you haven't been serving Christ? You know, uh, it's funny. It drives my wife nuts, but honey, I have a verse now. (laughs) Whenever I go on vacation, and, and those of you who've been in this church long enough know that I don't take a lot of vacations. I mean, some people think, well, you're going to Russia, ain't that a vacation? That's the vacation spot of the world. <laughs> I recommend everybody, yeah, go hang out in Orel, Russia. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. Okay. Um, but when I go on vacation, uh, I took one last year. Um, you know, what's amazing about my vacations. I'm always trying to find somewhere to preach or teach during my time. Um, and, and it drives my wife nuts. Well, you're supposed to be... What? Honey, I'm addicted. I'm a Jesus junkie. But I'm always trying to find that. Uh, we had gone back to uh, like a family reunion thing in, in uh, North Carolina last year. And we were there for about a week. And then I had to go up to my mom's house in southern Ohio and, and do some work on her house. She had some things that needed to be fixed up. And yet I got two chances, one to preach and one to teach in her church. And it was sort of like, huh, got me rid of my shakes. <laughs> okay, and, and, you, and you do these kind of things. You know, I, I go down and take a little break at Wayne down in Albuquerque. And yet he gives me a chance to speak and to teach and to preach and and, and yeah, okay, that, that'll work. And, and so, but you know, part of me, I used to feel guilty about it for a minute. And then I found this verse and I'm like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be this way. So I, I always wonder, is there the sense of withdrawal? Um, you know, and, and people ask me, well, what, Terry, at some point you got to take a break. You know what? If the Lord comes back, I don't want to be standing around fishing or sleeping under a tree acting like I'm hunting. I would rather be teaching or preaching. Um, and I feel a little better now that I've found this verse. But I, I want to share this because the household of Stephanus says that they were addicted. And it says they had addicted themselves to the serving of the saints, to the ministry of the saints. You know, Paul was like that. I must go and minister. 
I must go. And you know, I, I, it sounds to me like Paul had withdrawal symptoms. He was always going somewhere to minister. Everywhere he's seen. I mean, when they arrested him and chained him to a soldier, what was his response? Preach the gospel to the guy he's chained to. And then, well, they changed him every 12 hours. Perfect. I get a new one every 12 hours. He was addicted to the service of the Lord. You know, I was thinking about this back years ago when we went through the letter to the Hebrews. Chapter 6, verse 10 says this, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work. And the love with which you have shown his name. Cool, huh? Your work and the love I have shown to the name of God. It goes on. In having ministered and still ministering to the saints. You want to show your love for the person of Christ. How do you do it? Serve the saints. You have and you are. But, you know, as I was looking through this, I, I thought about this for a little bit. And this is one of those things that happens when I thought I could do two points in one week. I, I decided to, when I found addicted, I took off and I said, what is the basic definition of addiction accepted by the criminal justice system? Okay. And they basically summarize addiction in three terms. First term, criminal justice system defines addiction. And oh, they call it habit. It's an overpowering desire or compulsion to do something, to do anything, to do it. Whatever it is. Did you get that? It's a habit. It's an overpowering desire, a compulsion to do it. Okay? Second thing. Tolerance. Tolerance. <clears throat> a progressive decreasing... Now, hear these. This is their definition. A progressive decreasing in responsiveness to the drug so that they have to take more to be fulfilled. Interesting definitions, don't you think? In light of what you and I are looking at. Thirdly, dependence. Dependence. It's psychological and physical dependence on the effect of the drug in order to function normally. Don't you find that fascinating? I find that fascinating. Did I think about the household of Stephanus and they were addicted? They had a dependence on the effect to just function normally. They had a tolerance. Their first episode into serving had now was not sufficient and they were growing and they had a habit that no matter what they did, they were going to do this and nothing was going to stop them. 
I think it's a terrific description of what it does mean to be addicted to the Lord's service. Ask yourself this. Do you have a habit? Do I have an overpowering desire and compulsion to do the Lord's work so I'll pay any price to get it done? Are you addicted? An overpowering desire to do the Lord's work. Even to push beyond what's reasonable? That seems a bit much. Seems legalistic. It sounds like you're manipulating people. You know what? Don't worry about it then. That means you're not addicted to it. It's no problem. Do you realize, do you, when you look at the Lord's work, do you see more of the Lord's work that you can do and the more frustrated you become about what hasn't been done and the greater effort you will put forward? That's tolerance. I look at it and what I accomplished a year ago isn't sufficient enough for what I need to accomplish now. See, when you are addicted to the Lord's work, you will realize that His work just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And the bigger it gets, the more addicted you become to the Lord's work. Because there's more you realize has to be done. The more you want of reaching and out further and further and further and further and you want more of it and more of it and more of it and more of it. The more you get into the Lord's work, the more you'll realize what isn't being done. Who isn't being reached? Who isn't being encouraged? Who isn't being taken care of? Who isn't growing? Who you haven't come alongside of? And we should get to a place in order to function normally. You have to be doing the Lord's work. Or you get terrible withdrawals for not doing it. You know, we hear this all the time. Ah, man, you know, you've got to get away. You've got to have time to relax. You know, there's time you have to sort of separate yourself. Really? Not if you're addicted, devoted. Listen, you know, if you're truly honest with yourself, somebody throws up, are you addicted to the things of God? I remember somebody told me, he said, Terry, you worship the Bible. When he first said that to me, I thought, huh, that's, that's awful. Then I thought about it. My first response was, man, you ought to see some of the things I used to worship. Then I thought about it. And the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Oh, that ain't bad. <laughs> so I worship the Bible. Bummer. <laughs> you know what? I pray that if you're not addicted, that you will be. I pray that it becomes a habit that you reach a tolerance levels that make you, that make whatever you're doing now insufficient to what we need to do. We become so dependent 
that we get withdrawals if we're not involved in the Lord's work. If there is love in the fellowship, the world will see a whole pile of people addicted to doing the Lord's work. Straightforward, isn't it? Household of Stephanus had addicted themselves, intentionally put themselves in this place to serve the saints. And they were addicted. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for my brother Paul. And Father, I thank you for the house of Stephanus. As Father, as uh, this household sets to us this day a great reminder, a great privilege of being part of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, His kingdom, His church, His purposes in this day and this age. Father, such a time as this, You have placed us here. Father, help us to walk worthy. Father, those in this room who may not be addicted, devoted to the Lord's work, Father, I pray that You will move in their hearts in such a way that the Lord's work will become a habit and Father, the tolerance level for them will grow with increasing labor. And that Father, they will be overwhelmed, dependent upon being a part of what it is you do. To your glory and to your praise, in Christ's name, amen.